Welcome to the Women in Industry podcast. My name is Kirsty Davis-Chinnock and today I'm really pleased to be joined by Sam Hyde. Sam is a director of Hyde Engineering and they have a dedication to delivering an extensive range of innovative engineering and advanced manufacturing solutions to multiple sectors. Their expertise extends from work holding and rapid prototyping to handling projects encompassing low to medium volume quantities and complete batch subcontract CNC machining services. So welcome, Sam. Thank you so much for joining me today. Happy me. So I see you on LinkedIn quite a bit. Um, Hyde Engineering and both yourself are really proactive and putting some great content out there about supporting UK manufacturing. Um, and you and your husband, Mark, started Hyde Engineering in 2013. So uh, 10 years now. Congratulations. Thank you. And you started it due to a eureka moment. Do you want to explain a bit more about where you saw a gap in the market? Yeah, so... Um... Mark's been an engineer and I've worked in engineering pretty much all my career as well and he um, was a manufacturing engineer for a number of years and he found it really frustrating that when he was trying to go out there to market for his, his company he was at trying to get all these services from one place to, uh, to shorten the supply chain and make the manufacturing processes easier and it was really difficult to find a one-stop shop, somebody that could really partner with a company and deliver everything like a like a full solution, if you like. And so for him, that was kind of a, you know, we could do that. We, we could do that. So but we didn't just go out there straight away and start it. We kind of started small. So initially, Mark went out there with his engineering background um, winning small and subcontracting out from, from an engineering services perspective to start with and then that kind of grew with more interest involved in whether we could get parts made as well or the work holding and fixturing which was kind of where it first started and then eventually that just continued to grow to people wanting parts and so from that point in time, we had one client come to us who we'd been working with for a complete turnkey solution of giving them a green button process and providing all of the work holding. And they had just received confirmation from their customer that um, they wanted them to double their numbers. And so they spoke to Mark and said, right, OK, we don't have that capacity here. We need to find somebody that can make these. Um do you want to make them? And so it was like, oh, okay. Um, so can you give us an idea on timelines of when you need us to be up and running? And they were like, okay, so by uh, end of January, we'd need something up and running. So we decided to give it a try. Um, and on Christmas Eve, they gave us the purchase order. And so we had a Christmas spend running around trying to find facilities, ordering machines. And so by uh, yep, January last year, we had our facility opened up first machine land in the, in the new year. And then that was it, then proved the parts out and get up and running. And so it started with, um, I guess, off reputation more than anything else and project management. So yes, and that's how the machine shop came to be. And so you, you took advantage of a gap in the market um, and 
combined with uh, your reputation and the service that you'd given prior to that, it sort of created something really unique with Hyde Engineering. Um, have you found that other companies have started to copy you? I think I've noticed perhaps more the way that they're communicating about their services has perhaps changed a little bit and they're trying to add things on maybe that are a little bit similar. So, yeah, I think people are like, ah, I get what they're doing now. <laughs> I, I, well, flattery is sort of like, you know, a really good compliment, isn't it? Or, yes, you know, it, it really copying is the highest form of flattery or something like that. Um, so obviously you said Mark was a manufacturing engineer and you I mean, you started at RTI International Metals and you had quite a long career with them, didn't you? Yes. Yes, I did. So um, it kind of precedes that a little in that um, I'd always worked in sort of like a manufacturing in environment. I'd done a traineeship in an after uh, for a um, elect oh electric gearbox company for um, cars, and um, so I'd done my national traineeship with them. And after I left there, I then went and worked in after doing just basic some admin sales admin, and then went and did some sales admin for a laminate floor manufacturer. And so I went to RTI um, and started out as just a secretary to the general manager was kind of where that started. And I'd been talking to them about how um, I'd had an interest in law and, and within business. And so they sponsored me to do law degree there. And eventually that resulted in me taking on little bits of legal type work with them in terms of HR. So it then transpired into me growing with them from being just their HR administrator right the way through to being European HR manager um, by the end of my tenure there, yeah. That, that's quite um, a climb up the ladder in 10 years, isn't it, from yes. secretary to the general manager to um, international HR manager, and you did a degree at the same time. Yes. <laughs> um, what, one of the things that I, I find... Um, from sort of talking to a lot of the brilliant women that have been on this podcast is there's always something that they've sort of done on the sideline like a degree or volunteering and things like that um that actually benefits their role th that they're in now so on the practical side you, you you've got your um law degree so when it comes to the hr of high engineering and things like that um even do you outsource it do you do it personally do it personally so at the minute yeah it's um i think these days with the excitement of of business and strategy and just general engineering it's perhaps not my favorite role anymore but um <laughs> uh yeah i think being able to i think having this being our own company we have the advantage of being able to shape everything about it so even from the hr side we get to to, to say how we want to build the company the values and how we want to treat our employees so that's kind of really important in having that background knowledge in HR and being able to really put some of the ideals of a workplace into practice and culture is really important um particularly in SMEs um I, I mean I've got some great team members who've worked here for sort of you know donkey's years decades and decades and decades um and and valuing them is obviously something that 
not only do we do, but we want to make sure that they're aware of because being in the West Midlands, every now and again, JLR opens something else and offers, you know, um, an apprenticeship at 50 grand a year or something silly that, you know, we can't compete with. Um, so do you and Mark have a strategy for the culture that you want to bring in or is it evolved over time and then become more defined? What we tried to do actually was involve staff that we had. So we specifically, um, I mean, I did the Help to Grow Management um, course um, that was obviously sponsored by the government. And a part of that was being able to access a mentor uh, once you'd finished the learning part. And we found ourselves an fabulous, absolutely fabulous mentor um, who came in and facilitated a session for us because we were very much aware that we needed to establish um, what we what, what we wanted to be, what we wanted the culture of the business to be, but also what was important to our employees. So we he invited in, he came in uh, with us and he facilitated a session and every single member of the staff team was involved in that. And so we said all the things that, you know, that we would like to find in an employer in the work environment that we'd like. And so we put together six core values that were based around every single person's opinions. We felt the easiest way to get uh, our staff team bought in and, and with the vision of what we're trying to to be at Hyde Engineering, it was important that they had a say in what that culture looked like. That th That's fabulous. And I think it's such a drastic change um, that's happening now when it comes to working with your team members compared to what's often perceived as the traditional engineering manufacturing type industries from sort of the 60s, 70s, 80s, with a us and them, you know, people in suits and then the people who do the real work. Um, and it's it's absolutely great to get everyone's input. Um, obviously, we, we, you, you need great team members to do the work and they need to be skilled at what they're doing. Um, and the skill gaps often in the press. How are you overcoming the challenge? I mean, I'd be lying if I said we weren't struggling because we are. We're desperately trying to recruit. And like I think most engineering businesses out there, we're struggling to find mm. people. Um, we're having to, to some degree, um, do a lot more in the way of development internally with the people that we bring in. We're having to acknowledge that they've got skills, transferable skills, but that might not be on the same machining equipment. It might not be the same type of manufacturing, but we can, with the good team that we've got, um, help educate those new people that come in and give them the on-the-job experience to perhaps pick up new skills, which is a good positive development thing for them as well. Um, and then one of the things that we're kind of planning for for the future is uh, an apprenticeship uh, programme that we're going to look at implementing from next year. So to try to then build that internally with some with some new young people joining us that we can hopefully give them the, the career progression within engineering and manufacturing that they're looking for. And you're obviously growing. Um, and every time I, I look onto LinkedIn, you seem to be having a new machine delivered, um, which is just fabulous. Um, and I saw one of your posts where you were in over the weekend, you'd had a new line and you'd taken your kids in to show them 
uh, the new machine. Um, how important is blending that um, family and work life balance to you? Because obviously it's your business, you know, it's it's going to be in your head 99% of the time. Um, how How do you sort of manage that? By involving the kids in where we can, I think, especially this day and age, it's important for children to understand where, where the money comes from. It, it doesn't come from being on YouTube. Uh, we all have to go to work. <laughs> um, so I think it's trying to give them a practical understanding just in general about life. And with um, our eldest son, Jacob, he's got a massive interest in engineering as well. So it's not just us bringing them so that we can be here. It's because they actually want to be here as well. They find being able to see all of the machines really fascinating. And um, Jacob's got this vision for the future of uh, where he takes over. And um, he's decided much in the way of uh, a famous uh, Marvel character that we're going to have hide industries in the future. And it's all going to be very much robot driven with the, uh, with lots of automation because he's fascinated by that idea so yeah i think it's about inspiring them as well beyond just what we do that you know you can have a dream and you can follow that dream which is ultimately what you know his parents that their parents have done so i love that hide industries <laughs> watch this space <laughs> oh, oh no that's brilliant that's absolutely fantastic um um <laughs> I, I must admit, I I have a fascination with robotics as well. Um, and um, I spoke to Nat McCauley on a previous episode um, and they'd put in uh, a cobot. Um, and and I, I've got, I've still threatened to go around and see it because I really want to see it in action. But I think by involving children uh, at primary school age, um, I think, anything later than that, it's too late. We yes. really need to let them know not only where the money comes from, but how everything we touch in our daily life has benefited from engineering and manufacturing. Um, and that sort of is glossed over a bit. No, but we, we couldn't do anything without engineering and manufacturing um, in, in, in the Western world, could we? No, it's definitely one thing that I think gets overlooked in general. You know, the desks we sit at, the computers we're all tap tapping away on. Without the people that make those things, none of that exists. Uh, particularly when they go wrong, she says, with a broken down forklift <laughs> behind her left shoulder. Um, and it's just like, no. Um, so you, you, you've bought a lot of your professional skills um, into Hyde Engineering, both of you. Um, but you also uh, have worked uh, or you work at the moment in a volunteer role um, and you did a role with the police, the care of police survivors, yes. um, which could could you explain what that involved and, and how you took sort of a different path? Yes. So, um guess it stemmed ultimately from the fact that when I was younger, I actually wanted to join the police force. It was kind of what I wanted to do. But being an asthmatic at that time, that was not um, a career path I was able to follow. And um, 
a family member had been working at the charity and they were after some just administration support just after I'd had our second child and um, I was kind of losing a little bit of myself a little bit at home and needed something to engage the brain again and so I just went to volunteer for them um, helping arrange their events so the charity themselves uh, they support the families of police officers that have died on duty and in their support is um, from a peer support perspective so they bring together all of these families at various different events throughout the year whether that be collectively all together at their main event which is called Survivor Weekend through to relationship groups so they'll bring all the spouses together all of the young children and siblings and they give them the opportunity to be together in a nice engaging environment but the opportunity to be with people that completely understand what their loss that they've had and to be able to um, get that just that support and understanding um, so my role for them was to help arrange those events so I would um, co help coordinate um, putting on the events, finding the venues, and uh, connecting with the families. So that was it was a very fulfilling role to be able to support those people. It sounds like it. I think, I think until you've um, experienced a bereavement, um, an unexpected bereavement. I mean, you know, um, whether it's a partner or a child um we, we we can't understand um you know every everyone expects the natural order of things you know with grandparents and then you know as you get older parents passing away um but having that support from people who understand and know what you're going through um particularly if it's something like you know in the line of duty um it has got to be incredibly incredibly important um my my nephew um lost his wife um gosh six months after they got married and they were only 30 and he joined an organization called widowed and young because as much as we wanted to support we've got no idea what he was going through um so i think the peer support is 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 invaluable but you can't do that without somebody in the background making it happen and facilitating it happen so what does your role at hide engineering bring to your volunteer role and vice versa do you find you get complementary skills yeah i think it's just having a bigger picture understanding of things in general and being able to take a step being able to take a step back and be that here or or you know supporting that charity that you know there's a much bigger thing at play and taking that softer side that softer approach within the charity but then applying that here people at work aren't robots and so they are people and we have to understand that everybody's going through something in life and trying to build a supportive culture here at work that I think is equally as in, as important at, at work as what the things that we do in our personal life. It's it's about the emotional intelligence, isn't it? Um, yes. It's about recognising everybody's different. 
Um, and, and you're right, everybody will be going through something. And if they have trust and confidence in you enough to be able to share that, uh, that's a huge privilege, isn't it, as a, you know, an owner or a director of a business or a manager? Yeah, we, we, we're very much a family business, you know, obviously Mark and I, husband and wife, you know, our kids come here and and when we say about the staff that, you know, for us, and we, we try and reassure them all the time that they're a part of our extended family now, you know, they're, and that's what they are, and that's why July time we had... Um, family day and it kind of goes back to when we were kids um our dad used to work um at the brd in aldridge which used to be G which became gkn ultimate yeah and um the thing that they did was they used to have a family day so you used to be able to go in with all of your the kids used to come in they'd have the machines up and running they'd have little stalls set up and so you would be able to see where dad worked mom worked and be a part of that and we really valued that as kids and a lot of places now they, they don't do anything like that you know families aren't as integrated into the, the work-life community and so we really wanted to kind of bring a little bit of that to what we did so that's why july we had a family day where people could bring their partners children just to come and have a little walk around. I mean, we're not no ginormous facility or anything, but they could come and see the machines that they were working on so that when they went home at the end of the day and, you know, we all have bad days or we all have good days and we want to talk about it, they could picture where they were, they could understand what they've been doing and then we just enabled us all to get to know one another as well and, and really solidify that more personal working relationship which I think is important when especially as a small business you know we're gonna need people to buy into what we're doing and we're all hands on deck sometimes maybe to get that order out for the month and it needs a bit of overtime and it's just about helping with that understanding and, and your, your, your team are gonna um, support and celebrate you as well um, just the same way that you'll support and celebrate them by having that a um, little bit more of a close relationship. Um, and, of course, the wider manufacturing community also supports and celebrates you because you both were named in the Manufacturer Top 100 this year, weren't you? We were, yes. I can see the little awards shop. behind <laughs> you. <laughs> what did that mean? Oh, I can't even tell you when the email came through and we were like, what, what's, what's this all about? I mean wow just to have been nominated by peers and it was it was a phenomenal feeling that that they'd seen our little family business you know in 18 months grow and then put us forward yeah it was very humbling to say the least very humbling and is it going to be the first of many awards are you going to enter some others well we we have entered we have also been shortlisted so excellent tell us about that Oh gosh, uh, nerves, very much uh, butterflies. So we um, applied for the Manufacturers Leadership and Strategy Award for this year and we've been shortlisted. So we were visited by their judging panel not so long ago that came and took a tour, which was really interesting and they were able to give some really good feedback as well, which we can take away and hopefully do and, and improve, continue to improve. And then um, 
we also applied for SME of the Year with Make UK as members of that organisation, and we've also been shortlisted for that award as well. So, oh wow, shortlisting so, for two out of two is not too bad, really. That's <laughs> really good. I mean, there are hundreds of companies that enter both of these, so it, it's to be shortlisted on both is a phenomenal achievement. We already feel like we've won, to be fair, because, yeah, to to even make it that far with the calibre of companies that apply for these awards is, is quite scary. <laughs> oh, it's, it, it's something that there's always something you can take away from the process. You mentioned yeah. the judging panel and, the, you know, the feedback that they gave you. Um, it, it's also about when you sort of fill in the forms, you recognise, actually, we've achieved quite a bit. Um, and then if you can share that with the team, they're proud of it as well. So it's sort of like this continuous circle of um, pride and enthusiasm that sort of just keeps echoing through, isn't it? Yes, oh, definitely, definitely. And we're actually, um, two members of staff are going to attend the Make UK ones on our behalf as well so that they also get to to kind of be there and experience and do that networking piece as well because I think it's important for staff to be able to be there and do that too because it's their achievement as much as ours. Definitely. No, I agree completely. Um, I have one final question for you, Sam. What's the best advice you've ever been given? Oh. Question. definitely believe in yourself and if you have got an interest in something follow that because you'll never work a day in your life if you're doing something you love and I think people go out can get a bit detracted sometimes with day-to-day grind but I think if you can just find a little spark of something that you love in what you do you'll never feel like you're going to work exactly it's when you get into that almost like flow state and then I tend to stand up and go a bit dizzy and realize I've been here since half six and it's (laughs) quarter to three and I've not eaten anything yet yeah (laughs) oh thank you so much for joining me Sam and congratulations on being shortlisted for Uh, the Make UK Award and the Manufacturer Award and fingers crossed that you are victorious in both. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kirsten. Thank you.